As we close in on the end of the year called 2022, I want to look back over the first year of this podcast, share with you my favorite moments, quotes, and guests this week on the Just 7 Steps podcast. Welcome to the Just 7 Steps podcast with Robert Schramm, a board-certified behavior analyst, educator, author, and developer of the 7 Steps to Successful Parenting. For more than 20 years, Robert has been teaching parents and professionals how to support children in developing the values and priorities necessary to live a successful life. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the biggest experts in the fields of education, parenting, and behavior analysis. So buckle in and get ready for a wild ride where you'll learn to be your best in just seven steps. Hello, and welcome to this very special end-of-the-year podcast episode. It's been a very exciting year for me as I've embarked on this new adventure of sharing my thoughts, friends, and hopes and dreams for the behavior analysis world in podcast form. I'm also excited to announce that as of December 1st of this year, we've hit the 2,000 download milestone. I consider that a great success for just about a half year's work, and I think... I thank each and every one of you for not only tuning in, but sharing the link with others and talking about the podcast online and in your networks. We couldn't have hit this number without all of your help. I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, but this year-end episode is our 26th podcast produced and released to date. It's all started with our first episode released on January 20th of this year called Welcome to the Just 7 Steps Podcast. In it, I tell the story of how and why I originally developed the seven steps approach. Let's hear a touch of how that went now. We need to understand how to best interact with the people around us, whether I'm interacting with my kids, my clients, my wife, my employees, my friends, my colleagues. The seven steps are an excellent way for me to formulate how I want to be within that interaction. I want to make sure that I'm offering as much value and support as I can to those relationships while I'm still being able to get my needs met in those relationships as well. It's really not hard for me to find a good, solid connection with a child I meet for the very first time because I understand and use the concepts of the seven steps quite naturally and often without even thinking about them. And if your job as a professional or a parent is to get the most out of your relationships with your kids so that you can have the best possible future for them, you will want to understand these seven steps just as well as I do. So that was the goal. Give folks around the world a chance to learn about the benefits of the Just 7 Steps approach. There's so much you can use the seven steps to help you with. We covered just a few of those topics so far in this first year, and I'm planning to cover so much more in 2023. How about a quick recap of a few of those topics that were discussed? Let's discuss all things homework today on Just 7 Steps. And what exactly can you do today to start earning your children's respect? So if you're like most families, you probably lament the amount of time your kids spend on their screens. Ever wonder exactly what is considered punishment? Can you find a way to guide your child to adult level skills and abilities while maintaining a strong and positive relationship? How often do you catch your children when they're doing the right thing? We cover all things token related this week on the Just 7 Steps podcast. There's been a lot of cool things to share this year. Here are a few of my favorite lines. I hope you like them too. Having your own kids and being a good parent is a wonderful thing that anyone should be proud of, but it doesn't make you a parenting expert. Well, if a child is learning how to make good choices and you are being very clear about your expectations, 
but also keeping in mind your child's current levels of ability and handling these expectations, you can begin to work in ways that helps develop respect. Let's look back at that definition again. Respect is a feeling of deep admiration for someone elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Do you think it's possible to yell someone into having a deep admiration for you? Do you think you can hit them into it? Well, obviously, we have to figure out where feelings of admiration come from. The people that I admire are people who have achieved things that I'd like to achieve or show qualities that I'd like to possess or show me respect by treating me kindly and having a due regard for my feelings, wishes, and rights. So if I want a kid to respect me, I have to demonstrate qualities that they would like to possess and achievements they would like to achieve. And I have to show them that I have a due regard for their feelings, their wishes, and their rights as well. But luckily, the things that work to motivate and reinforce behavior work across the board for all types of behavior, including all types of homework. You just need to take in some of these concepts and figure out how to apply them to your child's current situation. Now, I'm not going to bore you with all the data and study jargon, but it has become quite clear in the research that children who are hit are more likely to show violence to peers as well as use it against adults. And kids who live in constant fear and intimidation from their parents are often the first to leave home and never look back. When you use the bad form of negative reinforcement, you are setting yourself up as the bad thing to be avoided by the behavior. When using positive reinforcement, you actually set yourself up as the giver of good things after the behavior. And this means the behavior is becoming more likely, but as an added bonus, you are being more regularly seen as a positive by your child making them more likely to listen to you with other instructions as well. So the real difference between negative and positive reinforcement is not what happens to the behavior. If you're using reinforcement in any form, the behavior will start to increase. But, and this is a big but, if you're using positive reinforcement by adding something beneficial after the behavior, you're also pairing yourself as a positive, making your child more likely to want to be with you and to cooperate with you in the future. And that's no small added benefit. Think about how important and powerful that is. Nag and become a negative your child wants to avoid. Offer positive benefit after the behavior and become a positive and someone your child wants to spend more time with. Like it or not, these are just the facts of reinforcement. And rather than try to deny them, the better we understand them, the better we and our kids can benefit from them. I also have been honored to have some great guests on the podcast this year. These are people I admire and respect and who I know have important things to share with you. If you are a parent or a professional who's benefited from the seven steps or has some form of information you feel would be interesting to the audience, be sure to contact me at support at justsevensteps.com. Let me know what you've been up to. Maybe there's an interview episode with your name on it. Until then, let's look back at some of my favorite moments during our very popular interview episodes from 2022. Dr. Megan Miller. What was it that you were kind of first excited about when you did then eventually read about the seven steps? For me, the two things I was most excited about, one is it took what I had been like just doing on my own and trying to teach people how to do and put it into like a more systematic way of doing it. Like the seven steps, it was a lot easier to follow 
and it had a few, like the big thing that I wasn't focused, focused on, um, that the seven steps really focused on, and especially in your workshops was the connecting, like developing a relationship with the children. Cause you're just a goofball. Like, I don't know, you're, you and Steve Ward are two of my influences there in terms of like how to be fun and silly with kids. So you had like a really big focus on that, especially in your workshops that I hadn't seen explained in that way before. So that was really helpful. But the other part was how well it was written that parents would understand it. Like I would tell a client something in my own words, and then I would bring them your book and be like, here, just read these couple of pages. And then they'd say, oh, yes, that makes sense. (laughs) It's like, I just told you the same thing. But there's some way you have of talking that really connects for parents, I guess. So this is the first parent guest of what I hope will be many I get to talk to on the podcast Paige and her family, I guess you started to talk about it a little bit, but what kind of changes did the approach make for you and your son? With me specifically, I definitely think it really helped improve the relationship between the two of us because I I had some light bulb moments when I was taking the course and I'm like, there's just certain things, you know, with parenting, they don't come with instructions. And sometimes we lose focus of, of not just little things, but things that you don't stop and think about that are really important, you know, uh, being consistent with acknowledging their feelings with doing, you know, doing what you say and, and, and saying what you do. So like for, for him and I, I I realized he, a big, a big issue was the lack of trust. If I told him we were going to go to the store, or if I told him we were going to go do something specifically and I didn't do it, obviously that's chipping away at our relationship. He's like, Oh, I don't want to listen to her because she's not going to follow through. Yeah. yeah, that makes a big difference. And and I can imagine that that's even more important with a child who has, you know, a number of different labels uh, working with them as well. So uh, just yeah. a typical parent has that same issue, but but it, it often isn't um, quite as important as it may be for someone who's working with someone like Aiden. So you did take the course online, correct? Yeah, I took it actually twice. Oh, really? I just, Um, because I just wanted to make sure like I was soaking everything in and. And was the course easy to understand and follow? And did it help you to know how you could be more involved in your child's supports and education? Definitely. Definitely. It, um, I think a big part of it is just paying attention to the little things that you already have that are working in your favor and utilizing those things just to better connect with your child. Miss Emily Wilson. A way that I like to conceptualize step seven related ideas for families in a way that's a little bit more fluid than fully, you know, this is the extinction condition right now, is the idea of maintaining healthy boundaries. You know, when we are thinking about step seven, I think that the my way or the highway approach that we take with extinction neglects this really important idea of degrees of freedom. Very simply put, uh, degrees of freedom refer to it's an idea that Israel Gold Diamond came up really long time ago. Degrees of freedom uh, refers to the number of ways that you can access a reinforcer. I think that this can really, uh, this idea can re- be really beautifully incorporated into the seven steps. We don't need to be, and specifically step seven, we don't need to be overly rigid when we 
implement a consequence or withhold a reinforcer based on a behavior, we can still embed those degrees of freedom at this point in the seven steps by saying, okay, you don't want to do it my way. Here are all of the ways that are acceptable to me for you to access this reinforcer. And you can choose right? I'm not going to be coercive. I'm not going to be overly rigid in this situation. It's clear to me that I'm, I no longer have your assent. And in order to regain your assent, I am willing to be less rigid in my approach and allow you to have more autonomy over this interaction. And I think, I think the thing that people will say is, well, doesn't that lessen the effectiveness? But if you balance the relationship value of that interaction and the trust that remains versus the trust you lose and pull away from saying my way or the highway. I think that you find that those things end up balancing out as a, as a net positive for the relationship and for the learning value itself. And I, and I think that um, that's one of the things you mentioned, Dr. Greg Hanley. I think that's one of the things that, that his work has been so helpful for is bringing in this idea that you can be less rigid in these areas and kids will still want to engage with you if you're setting up the environment in the right way. And if you're, if you're worth being with, I get to interview a bright and fun young occupational therapist named John Prisbal. Uh, how would you describe your work? What does occupational therapy address and, and what are the general goals of OT? Yeah. So occupational therapy at its core is, is getting people, whether they be kids or adults or seniors, is getting people back to functional goals. And so that could be anything that people want to do, need to do, or have to do. And so for kids, right, that's typically focused on self-care goals, whether that be toileting, eating, feeding, dressing, toothbrushing, showering, bathing, those types of things. But also, you know, things like getting getting to school, doing things like writing, do a lot of printing stuff, gross motor skills, fine motor skills. So when we worked together, um, did you find that uh, learning the seven steps uh, as a set of guidelines was easy to understand and for you to implement? Yeah. So I'm trying to think back when, when we first started, when you first came to Meridian, I think you offered a couple of courses around um, the Okanagan, which is, which is where we live here or where I live now. And so I attended your, I think it was a three-day course, right? And so got a lot of great information from that. But then I was obviously a little bit lucky because you and I were coworkers that I could delve a little bit deeper into it and, and see how you ran things with your clients. And then you could come in and we, we had joint clients. And so you could really help and, and, and guide me into how things worked, uh, sharing common goals, right? And so I got a little bit of a deeper perspective of it. But, but um, yeah, seeing how it worked, it, it was super easy to, to understand and, and um, kind of uh, implement in my practice. Today on the show, I get to interview a longtime friend in the field and someone you will want to know. And his name is Steve Ward. All of your interests cost you something, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, you might be interested in the phone. If, if everything were free, you might also be interested in the slinky and the jack in the box and bouncing on my knee or me singing a song with you or something like that. But if I said, if we're going to sing head, shoulders, knees and toes together, you're going to have to do this puzzle first. That's our contract. You're like, well, I don't like it that much. If I'm doing a puzzle for it, I need to have the phone instead. And not your head, shoulders, knees and toes is only beginning to emerge as an interest for me. 
So oh, that's a great point. That's a really good point because you're actually limiting the types of reinforcement that a child might be interested in. Because if they're saying, look, I got to load up and get the best stuff if I'm going to have to work for it, then suddenly they're focused in on only the iPhone. And that's yeah. all they want to ask for. That's all they want to do. Because even though they like the slinky and the bubbles and everything else that you've mentioned, that's not worth having to do the whole puzzle for. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that, it's something that uh, is easily missed. And the third one is is a little more obvious. It came to me earlier in my um, railing against the work contracts. And that is that part of it is the lesson for the teacher also, that we don't have the right to ask our kids to do anything and expect them to go along with any kinds of expectations unless we've established what's in it for them. So when they lose interest in the middle of a, a work session, we're halfway through the puzzle and they begin looking at the floor um, and not engaging with the puzzle, we, we remind them, don't you want the phone? I thought you wanted the phone. And from our simple old operant lens, like what is the payoff for these things? Some of this can turn into teachers believe they learn that they need to bribe and cajole and coax kids into things. And the kids only pay attention if this history goes long enough, they only pay attention when we're talking about the phone and showing them the phone. And once we put it down, we've got them for five or 10 seconds before they need us to show them the phone again. Right. So they're training you then to constantly be going back to your reinforcer and you're, it's just going in the wrong direction for sure. Many of the parents I've met in my time as an education specialist for autism have proven to be the most tenacious in helping their kids find answers to their educational needs. Today's interview is not different as I interview one of my favorite parents of all time, Kelsey General. Yeah, my biggest fear again in Canada, in the province I'm in, they are very pro-inclusive education, which I am too. I'm not going to say I'm not pro-inclusive education, but what I am pro is every kid getting what they need. And for Brentley, if you look at a U.S. system, it probably would have been some level of self-contained classroom with pull-ins to like music and art and stuff, that would have probably been a great solution for him. He would have learned the reading and math at his level and been able. However, in where I am, it would have been him in the classroom all day in a typical classroom with probably a one-to-one. And I knew from our daycare experiences and having you and the best people trying to train and it didn't work. And so I knew that that setting was just probably not where he was going to thrive. And And at home, like he was just able to learn and we were just able to focus what he learned a lot more on his needs than what it was. Well, I've always said this, Brentley's, you know, been extremely lucky to have you and and the efforts that you put into um, not only learning what you needed to learn and finding the type of support that would be available, you know, outside of your own community to help him, but just the tenacity at which you you go about making sure that that he's getting the the best help that he can get and you've done a wonderful job with him let's let's just let's just state that up front <laughs> thank you very much i mean it it wasn't without the help of you and megan and, and you know just all great people who have trained me and that's always my main take home message to parents is whether your kids whether you're going to keep your kids home or send them to 40 hours of aba or send them to full time school or do whatever you're going to do with them. My message is always make sure whoever's doing that is also training you because I think we all learned in COVID and in, you know, this time things can just shut down and 
if you don't know what to do, it's a really dark place. And so I just think that's a really, that's my main message. Yeah, that's, that's funny. That's (laughs) been one of my, uh, that's been one of my go-to messages for probably 15 years now, ever (laughs) since we, almost 20 years now, since we started in Germany, it was just seeing the benefit of training parents and making sure that mom and dad know as much as they could possibly know. Man, with so many great guests in just my first half year, I'm excited to bring you more as well in the coming years. Again, if you think you would be an awesome guest for the show, please email me at support at justsevensteps.com. I'd love to hear your story and maybe present it to my growing audience. I'd like to end this 2022 retrospective episode with some funny, out-of-context quotes from the show. Comedy comes from truth. Man, I personally do not like homework. Heat, bright sunlight, physical activity. She came up and she put me over her knee and she spanked me. And I was my dad's personal remote control. You stopped me. I know we have anti-labor laws in this country. Let's say Legos. Let's say Legos. Let's say Legos. No, honey, I didn't slap you. I just gave your face a high five. I hope you enjoyed looking back as much as I have. And thanks again for your time and your trust. Uh, for taking the time out of your day to not only watch or listen, but to like, comment, and subscribe. You guys are the reason the show is growing so rapidly. And as always, if you or someone you know is struggling with the behavior of your children, and you know you would benefit from a more organized approach to parenting or education, check out my free workshop, How to Get Your Kids to Listen Without Raising Your Voice or Nagging. At the end of that workshop, I share a great opening offer to get access to all of my online course offerings at incredible rates. To sign up for the workshop, just go to www.just7steps.com forward slash workshop and join me for three of the most important shifts that you can make in interactions with your kids right now to start changing the way they interact with you. I wish you all a great new year celebration and as much joy happiness, and positive interactions with your kids that you could handle. Happy holidays from all of us here at Just 7 Steps. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on the Just 7 Steps podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a moment to leave me a comment, give a thumbs up, share the video with others, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you won't miss out on any of our Just 7 Steps videos designed to help parents of children with challenges find your family's path to progress. See you right here next week.